Hi, this is Deborah, your podcast host for A Positive Influence. It's been a couple of months, but I've been busy moving house. I'm now in a rural cottage on a farm, and this morning, the farmer has decided to move a huge pile of logs that are required for the heating system. And my office is not soundproof, as normally it is very peaceful here. So I must apologise if you can hear any background noise, I will try to eliminate most of it. I've also started writing a book of my life story and hope to publish it towards the start of next year. I will keep you all updated. However, I wanted to do one more podcast this year. As we are approaching Christmas, a time for celebrating with family and friends, when we perhaps tend to overindulge a little with drinking, I thought it appropriate that I did an interview about how we define alcoholism versus overdoing the drinking. Today I'm joined by Sean Robinson from Ontario, Canada. He's an electrician and volunteer firefighter. Sean, welcome and thank you for joining me today and getting up so early for this interview before you go to work. We're going to start at the bottom. It's a good place to start because you can only go up from there. So Sean, when did you reach your rock bottom? Well, thanks Deborah for having me on your show. I appreciate being here. Uh, my Rock bottom, my moment for me was about the end of 2020. Uh, I'd, I'd have a whole lifetime of bad habits, routines, things I probably didn't know were negative on me as they were. And I found myself at 320 pounds, drinking a bit more than, than normal because of uh, COVID restrictions and, and just an just an overall kind of miserable person. Did you class yourself as an alcoholic, Sean? I, I didn't. Um, I didn't really realize how my uh, habits and routines around drinking and, and and the way I would get at different functions and because of the day, a certain day of the week, I didn't realize until I took a break from drinking uh, how I was getting in certain moments. And and it wasn't a, a label that, that I was ready to put on it at that time because it just wasn't how I felt about it. No, I, I agree. I mean, I like to drink a glass of wine of an evening, uh, you know, with my meal, but I don't class myself as an alcoholic and likewise would struggle if someone tried to put that label on me. I've actually lived with an alcoholic, so know what it's actually like and how it can destroy everything from work, health and relationships. So I think the area we're covering is is like the mid-ground and I think that's very important as it can lead to full-blown alcoholism and once this happens, that's a finite point. There is no way to cut back, only to completely stop. So so why did you decide to stop completely rather than just cut back? When I was uh, looking at the scales and the mirrors and just seeing myself every morning, it, it seemed like the best place to start. It seemed like dry January was coming and, and other people around me were doing their own version of the resolution. And and I thought in the pursuit of not being 320 pounds, I could start to move some things, change some habits. And I just started with that dry January and not drinking for that period of time. And then just kind of seeing how I felt about it. I, I never went into it thinking that I was going to be able to keep it off, but I, I definitely didn't think about going into it with that giant picture I didn't it wasn't a big pressure because I was just looking at January in the beginning that's good giving yourself just a, a step at a time did you consider rehab I didn't consider rehab um, there was a lot of how uh, I was feeling about 
you know, uh, I come from the, working in construction as an electrician. I've been on a volunteer fire department for 20 years. My dad was a mechanic. Just that like masculine space, and that was pretty. That's pretty dominant in in the sectors that I work in and where I come from. And I had a lot of pressure to fix it myself. I felt like I couldn't reach out for help. That if I was going to get through whatever it was I was feeling at the time, I had to deal with it. I had to fix it. And the problem was I I didn't know how I was going to do that. I didn't know where, how. I just knew that I didn't feel I could go to those places. I didn't really feel like I needed those places. It was okay. it was a real confusing, real questionable time. And the pursuit of trying to fix it myself, it was like, well, let me let me commit to dry January. Let me start journaling and not tell anybody about it because it couldn't let someone find out that I had kept a journal because like I said that toxic toxic masculine space it wouldn't have gone well for people (laughs) keeping a diary um, yes (laughs) yeah exactly I didn't think it was going to be productive whatsoever if people found out it was going to be very hard on me mentally my my buddies would have eaten me alive it was it was a space that I thought I just had to try and figure out a way to deal with it myself and committing to that dry January and seeing the people around me falling off their commitments by mid January. And then looking at me like, wow, you're, you're still going like you made it a couple of weeks. Like you, you're, you gotta be good. You did awesome. It's, it's a couple of weeks. And I'm like, what is wrong with you people? What do you mean? I made it a couple of weeks. This is a, this is a month commitment. January is not a couple weeks no, no so as as people around me were starting to fall off their their missions their goals it was like I felt more motivated to be like well if you guys are not gonna do it I'm gonna do it I'm gonna continue and that's fantastic what support did you have though Sean did you have any support other than just you writing in your journal did you have any support online or from your family well my wife and my kids have been have been great like my kids are very young so they don't really know but my my wife's been great. Like she was very supportive. She didn't know because I didn't know what what I was doing. But you know, as we would learn, like there was there was some moments that you know were really hard on us that that involved you know being out at a function and having too many drinks and me never wanting to leave or sneaking more drinks before we left because uh, that just was what I was trying to do. And uh, like she like I said, she's been great through through everything. And um, my support was was difficult because like even my own brother when I turned out and he knew I wasn't drinking at the time but like when I was at his place he offered me a beer I'm like no sorry I'm, I'm not drinking and he said oh what you don't have your coin yet you can't have a beer and it was like such and it was it was an example of the kind of environment that I was in with with like family and friends and is that how you, just, you think it all began then with the, the excess drinking because of the background that you came from or how, how did it do you think it started off? Well, when I like my parents were, were young, they were 20, 21 when, when I was born and they just had a young lifestyle. And when I have two younger brothers, so in that, like the, th- the three of us grew up in an environment where there was just lots of and I know this is common. It was like music and friends and parties and functions <laughs> and everything sure. had like that alcohol around it and and I grew up I knew how to mix a drink when I was like 10 years old and, <laughs> and you know you get your drinks from the cooler for your parents you're helping out we had like certain little things like when I got after a function of beer cans we'd play uh, when it was time to take them in to get the deposits back 
we played a game like guessing how many cans were in the bag, right? Then, no. then we'd, we'd have to count them because you can't return them to the store without being counted. So we would play this game and then we would help count them. And it was it was all helpful, but it was also like I felt teaching me what I thought to be true of the right way to do it. So maintaining an abundance at the house and and always having like friends and environments and music around and and like my dad's a mechanic, so he would you know people he would do work for them like doing different jobs on their vehicles and if it was friends like oh, i don't want your money just buy me buy me a beer bottle right, whiskey or something right and as i grew up and i got into trades and i was kind of doing the same thing where it's like oh you know i do a job for a friend changing a light or something and then it was like well i don't know just buy me a beer or something right. so then it was just normal to me to be paid in alcohol and then it was normal sure. to me to have the friends over and to keep the abundance and then but i mean i just took the environment that I was used to and then created my own from it too. So uh, it was kind of the, the abundance being around in that environment led me to creating my own. And then it was just a perfect storm because that, that drinking led to, you know, overeating and snacking and late nights and just oh, right. okay. overall Do- miserable person that I was becoming. So do you think, not the alcohol per se, but everything that's associated with it put the weight on, or do you think it was a combination? I think it was definitely a combination, um, it, because like to to lose, like I've lost 100 pounds now. It's amazing. Um, but it wasn't just drinking, you know, like eliminating alcohol isn't my mission to, to get other people to do unless it makes sense to them, right? Right. So like to lose 100 pounds and have those people that are still wanting to have those drinks look at me and say, oh, it's because you stop drinking well no it's not it's because i did a lot of other things too you know, i added exercise I, you know changed my diet um complete mindset around the things i'm eating and drinking and whatever so it's like that that i wasn't going to be able to do that in that old mentality that old mindset that that was at the end of 2020 thinking i had to fix it myself and thinking i had to not talk about it and and just drinking was was definitely something that that added to it because without drinking I wasn't eating pizza at two in the morning or right. you know entire bags of chips or whatever I was doing so <laughs> I love chips <laughs> um when you're in your bad phase do you think you exposed your family to any harm at any point or t- tell me sort of how, how did how did how did your young family manage uh well at the, t- the time I made the change I had my kids were my daughter was just born she's a few months old she's uh, September of 2020 and then and then my boys were they would have been five and seven or four and six so quite young and and I was finding myself becoming a version um that I didn't like I was you know I was yelling I had no patience my motivation wasn't there so like I wasn't spending the extra effort and time playing with them at that at that age where all the kids want to do is play so then that was that was making them suffer so i wasn't playing and then my impatience level and irritability yelling not helpful for them so they would want to do things and i i would just i'd be yelling and i would i would be like you know taking them grabbing them by their arm i mean like pushing them over into like their room to clean the room or whatever we were getting them to do it was like i just didn't have the patience level to give them the kind of teaching and respect that anybody with kids knows it's not all sunshines and rainbows but I definitely wasn't the person that I needed to be to be the best version for them and seeing myself become that that person 
that I didn't like was uh, another eye-opening moment for me that I needed to change. And I didn't realize that my drinking routine and my motivation and diet and everything all played into that. I didn't realize that until I started to see some changes. No, quite. And you must have missed out yourself on on doing things with them. So I think it's I think it's incredible that you've done this of your own volition because it's very very hard to do it on your own. But now you're able to talk to your your brothers. I mean, how do your do both your brothers still drink? Uh, my my youngest brother doesn't really drink. He I mean, he's different. He has his own different things. Uh, my my middle brother he. We'll have the odd beer. Like he was telling me on the weekend um, that he had some Christmas function and and had had a bunch of drinks. And we all had a different relationship with it, right? Like I, me being the oldest, mm-hmm. and and I read something the other day. Like we, even though my brothers and I had like we had the same parents, like we have different parents because I had a different version from what I saw and remembered than than they both did. Oh, well, so, that's interesting. Yeah, because yeah. it's like. The things that, that we see and deal with at our different ages and the things we remember, like even our parents or friends or whoever, like we we have different moments with the, with the same people. So sure. I remembered more because before they started to make some changes, like I saw more of that. So they still drink. They have come around like my like even my friends, like there was uh, one of my friends was getting and, and I I put this in my book it's in the background of a lot of what uh, what is in my book but right. one of my friends was getting married he was in my wedding years before and we had a lot of drinks at my wedding but now I'm not, that that's not what I'm doing so I wasn't drinking I didn't know in the beginning when he had asked me and when that when that happened like I didn't know I was just not gonna drink for you sure. know I'm now just about three years so I didn't know that at the time so when he had asked me I was like yeah and he's like oh you better drink at my wedding it's like, well, I don't, okay, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just taking a break right now. It's, I think it was February or March, or maybe I was in the first couple of months, but it was like, I don't know, I'm just did you say that? Did you say that he said you had to drink at his wedding? Oh, yeah, it was. Oh, my goodness. Um, he said, you'd better, and there was swear words oh, in there. No. He said, you'd, you had better drink at my wedding. And every function, so the the, the fitting for this, the tuxes and at the bachelor party and at the wedding showers and all the things, Every time it was like, ah, oh, you're not drinking. You better drink at my wedding. And his wedding was like September or October. So that was, you know, nine, 10 months into the year that, that had like, as I worked that you were doing. Drinking and yes. doing these things, yes. I committed to do, doing it for all of 2021. So throughout most of that year, every function was like, oh, you better drink at my wedding. And it was a lot of pressure on me because like, I didn't That's know. That's awful. That's awful. You would have thought he'd be supportive as a friend. Right. And it was like. <laughs> such a thing that it was hanging over me every function it was like I came from wanting to celebrate people in that manner I came from like buying people drinks when it was there to like when it was my turn and yes you know shots and celebration and I like I came from a lot of that background so for me to just not be the person that I was anymore was difficult and like I would still buy rounds and still support and but like I had to get to a point where I knew how I was going to deal with that in a, in a moment. I had to learn how I was going to react in a, in a function and what I was going to do and how I was going to, you know, continue with the goals and continue with the things that I did and didn't yeah. want to do yeah. in the same environments that I used to do them in. Talking about buying rounds, I mean, drinking's an expensive business. Are you, you must have noticed quite a difference since you've stopped. 
Oh yeah, it's like I've noticed quite a lot of of money I'm not spending anymore. And when you're drinking, I, I had a Yeti mug, a coffee mug, and I, I would bring that with me to different functions, and I could drink whatever I wanted out of it, and it just was kind of like my security blanket. But then out at uh, like once I got more comfortable with it and didn't really care because I learned that people I was more interested in what I was drinking than the people around me were. So it was just more in my head, but when I would order water or sparkling water or soda water, any of those things, you know, you're drinking those things and most places don't charge you for that unless you're getting it from (laughs) a a bottle or can or something. (laughs) It's cool. That's cool. Listen, So I wasn't paying that. Tell us about your book then. So you started it as a journal and it's now, now been published as a book, which is incredible, Sean. Thank you. Did did it literally just start as the journal and then manifested itself into the book or how did it come about? Yeah, so uh, right at the end of 2020, when I was feeling as miserable as I was, I I, I was outletting to whoever I felt safe to. And, and my, my wife was listening to a lot of it. And, you know, she was getting tired of this this person that I was becoming. And to listen to me outlet about it all the time, like it was tough because like it was just I, it was like me trying to get her to fix it for me. So I, I was looking for a safe space to 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 have that outlet. And, and I started journaling in a point that I would be able to outlet. I would be able to write anything down and that I didn't have to explain it to anybody or I didn't have to, you know, make someone as close to me as my wife is, you know, feel a certain way about how I was mentally or any of those things. So it became an outlet. I, I was not very nice to myself in it. But then it was a place that I continued to write down. I continued to document when I started to not drink and work through a few things. Like I was able to write down how I was feeling, what I was doing. And I maintained that journal through that first 30 days, which became 60 days, which then as I learned more about habits, learned more about lifestyles, I decided a hundred days. And at a hundred days, I was like, I'm going to do this for the entire year. I'm going to go a full year. This is crazy. I've never done this before. It'll never happen again. So I committed to doing a full year of not drinking. And I maintained that journal throughout the entire year. And about the nine, 10 month mark, the wedding had just happened. And a friend of mine from work, so construction was like, like, how's it going? And it was a genuine question. And I said, oh, I could write a book. And like that, the moment and that expression that was like, I've gone through so much this year and was like, I, wow, I, I have written this book. Like it's a journal. Like there's a lot about my own in there. And yeah, but like I could have used that when I started, I could have used that version of, you know, that being unsure and having those resistances with family and friends and that wedding hanging over me that I felt I had to be this old person and not be what I was trying to create for myself. And it was like, this is something that I could put out for the person that I used to be and where I came from. And as I finished that year and got through the November, the December, Christmas time and January and reflecting on being, you know, sober and whatever through those moments and then a follow-up like it was like I, I, yeah I'm gonna do this and I decided to self-publish I decided to to be vulnerable and put the the version out that that uh, I could have used when I got started and uh, yeah, yeah I like I, I like that you could have used your own book for yourself yeah. to help you 
the book's an incredible achievement and obviously it's out there for other people. Are you doing anything else? I know you're doing some podcasts to help people in your position. Yeah, I'm, I'm giving back as much as I can through different media. So podcasts, I've been on over, I think, 40 different podcasts. And and I speak a lot on, on the drinking part, the exercise fitness part, the toxic masculinity, generational traumas. There's so many different areas of the journey I've been able to, to go through that I can try to give back. So as as much as the different themes of the podcast and, and where my kind of um, experience is, I, I try to give back as much as I can to, to those spaces. And then uh, I'm on TikTok and Instagram, Facebook. Uh, I've got my uh, website and my email newsletter and all of these things. Um, I put out content in the pursuit of giving that different perspective to say, you know, you can do these things. This, this is possible. Uh, that's um, wonderful. Changing uh, habits and different things I've picked up along the way, different bits that, that people can use in, in the pursuit of living that more positive, productive lifestyle. Well done you, Sean. Something else that's pretty amazing that you're doing, and, and that's a volunteer firefighter. Let's tell everyone a bit more about that. How did you come about doing that? Yeah, so my my father actually was a volunteer firefighter for for years when I was a child. I grew up in that environment of uh, just having that you know camaraderie and you know say brotherhood, even though it's it's very progressive now and and which is great. But it's like I so I grew up with that, and then once I got to a certain point, I was about nineteen years old, and my dad was like, "Well, you know, do you are you interested? Like, you're going to be hiring some people soon. Do you want to do it?" So it's like never dawned on me that I could. And and so I went through the testing and whatever. And I got on what a week before I turned 19 in 2003. So uh, this past summer, I just, just finished my 20th year, which seems uh, oh, tremendous. It's been that long already, but uh, responding to, to emergencies for 20 years uh, around my work and family. I was going to say, how, how do you fit that in around your work? Do you have to be on call all the time or? Um, different municipalities and in different countries to do it a bit differently. For me, it's um, they, being volunteer. Like our department is in a rural, a rural area, and there isn't a full time contingent there. It's so the, the volunteer department runs the, the the area now. Basically, we're all on call. There's 20 of us on that department. There's and we're on call all the time. All right. But with the volunteer contingent, basically they expect about 75% of the people there so uh, to show up to, to everything. So they keep 20 people on because most things don't need 20 people, right? If you get yeah, three yeah. quarters of the of the people show up, then you're well, in yeah, I mean, a, a cat stuck in a tree. I mean, <laughs> but no. Uh, whatever, yeah. In... <laughs> We've had dogs in pools. We've oh, had no. try and help uh, deer that fall through the ice. Like there's there's different things <laughs> like that that, uh, that come up. But joking apart, what's the uh, scariest thing you've been involved in? Um, there's, there's a lot of different, uh, different things. I mean, mental health is what it is right now. So we have two major train companies, like two train tracks that run through the area. And there's, there's different, uh, events that, uh, have happened with trains that were very nice. And then just some, uh, uh, car accidents. Like my very first car accident I saw was, you know, someone that was my age, I was going to college and that person had passed away at a car accident and, it was uh, 
you know, just being the same age as me. And, and, sure. and I think the, the thing that never really got over was just in that moment when I knew this person was no longer there, but they're like just thinking much, much into it. Cause a lot of these times, like we just sit around and wait a long time before, you know, coroners and different things. So in those moments when we're sitting around waiting, like I'm reflecting on like, I know this person's no longer here, but like their family doesn't even know yet. And it no. just, it, it, it can weigh very heavy. Yeah. And there's, di- there's different things we do to, you know, the get, support get there for you. Through that. Yes. But, uh, yes. It's been great. But I think there's been a lot of times like where, you know, doing CPR and somebody and then bring them back and, you know, saving them and, you know, bringing people from these accidents or these medicals, these emergencies, like there's been a lot of great moments too, that I would have never had. So you get the good with the bad. And and it's just important to make sure we're communicating and talking and it's tremendous what you do there. And I mean, this is what the, the podcast I do is all about people who, who do things for other people, ordinary, everyday people. And it's tremendous what, what you're doing. Just to finish up, what are your um, dreams and goals? Um, well, my my goals are, I have different goals my fresh, professionally. I managed to work my way into a project management role, electrical project manager now. So my goals are to just keep developing that, taking courses, getting getting better at that. And um, family, I want to be the best version for for my kids. So I want you know them to to have the the best support and and grow up with the the best version of me that I can give them. And then also personally, look after myself. I want to be healthy. I want like I started running. I just ran my first half marathon uh, in October. Oh my word! And <laughs> My goals are now focused on the person I want to become and doing things that I haven't done before and to come out of my comfort zone and to start running. Um, now, it wasn't like just starting like I had I had been running on my own to commit to doing a marathon, a half marathon, but that was not who I was used to be. So it excites me to to challenge myself. And, sure. and that's kind of where I've gotten now with with being able to get through not drinking and losing hundred pounds and becoming more positive. It was like challenging to become the best version is, is becoming a person I've never been. So doing things I've never done is going to be the best way to help me get there. Brilliant. I think that's a fabulous inspiration for us all, Sean. So on that very, very positive note, I would like to thank you once again uh, for getting up so early and for all the wonderful things that you are doing, just showing what can be done for everybody else. I wish you, your family and friends, a wonderful Christmas. I'll be back in the new year. This is Deborah signing off.